Hello and welcome wherever you're listening to Between the Ears with Luke McPherson. I'm your host, Luke, as always. I mean, I say as always, maybe one day the podcast will get bought out by some multi-millionaire and you'll have a new host and I'll be retired somewhere on a private island. But until then, I'm, I'm the guy behind the microphone. So thank you for joining me, for lending your ears to this little storytelling show that, that, I'm, uh, that I'm getting going at the moment. Today I have a really special guest, another sport person. Her name is Sammy Whitcomb. Uh, she's a professional basketball player. She plays for the Australian Opals. She uh, is a two-time WNBA champion, which is which is pretty special. Um, it's actually really cool when I say that out loud now. Um, and it was awesome to get her on the show. She's a three-time WNBL All-Star. She represents the the Lynx here in Perth, where this podcast is based. So it was very exciting uh, to get her on board. It was a really special chat now. I think if you read some of those numbers about Sammy, you might think, you know, she came straight out when she was 18 and and uh, the you know took on the world from then. But things weren't always that easy for her. She actually went undrafted after playing college um, basketball. She travelled around the world a little bit to just try and get a spot. No teams wanted her, but she said to her agent that she just wanted one chance, just one opportunity. It's sounding a bit like that Eminem song now. I think. Now that I think about it, but she just wanted one chance, one team to say yes. She knew there would be one team out there, and she got the nod from a team in Europe. Um, made her way to Australia eventually, um, and when she was 28, she finally got the nod to play in the WNBA. This dream, this pipe dream that she'd had. Um, she didn't think she was good enough when she was when she was 18, 19, 20, but she knew that if she kept working, she'd get there eventually. And it's a it's a really um, a really special special story a story of resilience now be forewarned you'll hear some uh you'll hear some kids and young people in the background um sammy has a two-year-old son but i make no apologies for that i think that's part of her life i guess that she's got kids and and just remember um and maybe if you're on a plane one day and you're whinging about a baby remember that you know we were all kids once um it's it's actually pretty cool to think about it um so yeah you might hear some baby screaming but i have I make no apologies for that. Um, but the chat with Sammy was was really special. She touched on some really cool things. She's a really cool person, and I really enjoyed having the chat with her. Now, please make sure that you're leaving a rating, leaving a review, um, and telling your friends about the show. It would mean the world to me to get more more listeners than we've currently got. Not that you know it's all about listeners, but I want to share these stories with people. I, I truly think that um, the stories that we're sharing and the people that we're getting on board can really make a difference if their if their voices are heard. Uh, so yeah, I hope you enjoy Sammy Wickham. Let's go. Okay, well here we are. We're back for another episode of Between the Ears. Joining me today is a three-time WNBL All-Star, a two-time WNBA champion. We're sitting out in the sun by the beach. Yeah, we are. What a day. I'm what, so excited. What a morning. <laughs> How you doing? Sammy yeah. Wickham, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, really excited to do this podcast, so thanks for inviting me. That's great news. That's great news. We In the background, we might hear some kids yelling because yeah. that's 
probably the soundtrack of your life. This so is the soundtrack well. of my life these days with a two-year-old. We've got to accommodate him. He's he's the star of the show. So, um, yeah, Nash is here with some friends and um, hopefully he <laughs> hopefully he works with us and he's That's less okay. cry. <laughs> it's a good little backing track. That's okay. Now, some people might be confused because I'm going to put in the description that you play basketball for Australia. Yes. But you don't sound super Australian. No. Tell me well, a when bit I go about... to, it depends on where I'm at. When I go <laughs> yeah, to the yeah, States, yeah. I get, oh, are you Australian? And I love that. But most Australians always recognize that I'm from the States. Um, yeah, I'm born in California. Um, and I grew up there, lived there my whole life until I went to college in Seattle. Um, and then it wasn't until 2013 that I came to Australia. Um, as a part of uh, my professional basketball career and yeah just fell in love with it and um, had dreams of playing in the WNBL. I originally came here for what was the SBL then is now NBL1 um, and just played in that league for um, like three years before I could crack the WNBL Um, and then yeah I've Met a woman, married her, um, and uh, kind of from there, the whole getting my um, citizenship just sort of, I don't know, it wasn't a, a plan even when we got married, but it came up that I could play for Australia potentially, um, and that was really, really exciting. And so, yeah, it kind of just all happened from there. And now, um, yeah, Australia's home, and I'm a citizen, and I still, I doubt I'll ever really have an accent that... Um, confuses Australians or or convinces them I'm Australian, but um, yeah, this is home. I didn't mention before the show, but we start with gratefulness. So oh, I love we that. Can, yeah, so we do three things yeah. that either today or in the last week mm. that either we're grateful for mm. or that went well for us. Okay. So I can go. I'm. I know that I put you on the spot here. So do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. I'm curious right. about what yours are. Now I've got my three. Oh, I've got my three. I think I even wrote them down. Um, during the week, went up to Ledge Point, which is like north oh, of Perth, okay. like a couple of hours near Lancelin with oh, the yeah, family. Been to Lancelin, yeah. yeah. So went up there. I got a day off work and escaped. Um, and it was the whole family there, immediate family, all the nieces and nephews. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. It was great. Like sun, beach, and then. At night when you're so tired, it's like this little cabin we were in. Oh, so, cool. um, yeah, so once you wrestled getting to sleep over my parents snoring, you were then woken <laughs> up by the kids at 3am. Yeah. So that wasn't that wasn't ideal. But, um, no, nah, it was lovely to spend a bit of time with family. Mm. Um, number two, work. Been working a lot at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone has a break. And I was thinking the other day, like, I just hate work so much uh and then last night as I was lying in bed I was like actually you know what like you're so lucky like some people like it's a pretty good it's it's a good job like you're so lucky you need to check yourself yeah (laughs) uh and number three as I was coming here I was a bit early Mm. I didn't tell you this I was early I know that I told you you didn't make me wait but I actually drove down to the beach so you live quite close to the beach so it drove down it was like low tide yeah it's beautiful reef was out and I was like how good is this um everyone down there was far better looking than me so I didn't get my shirt off but uh no it was lovely so go on have you had enough time to pick it through I mean I try and do mindfulness and gratitude and stuff every day anyways just because I think it's important and I think it does just put me in a good frame of mind. Um, I think 
I'm definitely grateful with this past week. Um, Nash had a fall, and we thought that he was going to need stitches in his lip because oh, he had split his lip. And um, it ended up being that he didn't, and um, he actually was really good and handled it well at the hospital when we went. And um, it was a good just, like, learning experience, I think, for us and stuff with him. But very grateful that he didn't end up, you know, it wasn't worse than it was yeah. and, and all that. I think in those moments you always just think, like, you go, oh, what could have happened and how much worse it could have been. So grateful for that. Um, we also had a game this week and we won. So I'm always grateful for, I think, one, the opportunity to still be playing. But um, anytime you can have a bit of success with it as well. So grateful for that. And then um, every morning I feel really lucky to um, wake up with my family and we're at the beach. And, you know, we've just moved into this house. And so I feel a lot of um, gratitude for that, just where I am currently in my life. So Awesome. A good three. And from the two minutes that I spent with Nash when I got here. <laughs> I, he's a bit of a wrecking ball. Hey? He is. He's beautiful, but he's, a, you know, he's just over two. He's a boy. He is very much like his his other mom and he uh, is stubborn. He knows what he wants. He's already just got so much personality. Um, so he's a lot. He's a handful, but we wouldn't have it any other way. He's, he's very fun. Awesome. And you touched on the Lynx. Obviously, you're playing with the Perth Lynx at the moment, yep. which is where I guess you started full professional basketball yeah, with the Lynx? For WNBL at least. I was playing professionally for two years, I want to say, in Europe before coming okay. over here. Um, but yeah, they were my first like Australian fully professional one because SBL at the time was just semi-professional. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I did a stint for what, three years and then went away back to Europe and then I've come back and this is my second consecutive year playing for them again. Awesome. And what's it like being back sort of where it all... In yeah, in it's WA. really nice. It's so funny. Like, I feel like so much has changed, but, you know, in, in a lot of ways, um, I'm still just like that same kind of kid that loves playing and um, loves playing in Perth. Like, I just think we're so lucky to, to be here and to live here and still feel like, you know, there's a lot of things I want to prove and, and, you know, get better at. But I'm also just at a stage in my life where I'm just I really am grateful that I still get to play. I'm 34, that I get to continue to play, that I get to play here where we can, you know, raise Nash and be around Kate's family and stuff is really, really lovely as well. And, um, you know, the league is really, really great. It gets better every year. So there's um, a lot of a, a lot of incredible positives about playing the WNBL and playing for the Lynx. Now you're going quite well. Had a look at the stats. You're in the top ten scorers at the moment, and the Lynx are pushing for finals. One thing that I'm interested in, mm. obviously, you come with a impressive resume coming mm. back to Perth. Do you feel any pressure as a WNBA player? playing in the WNBL? Um, I think, yeah, it's so funny. Like, before, when I when I first got to the WNBL, I felt a lot of pressure and, like, no one thought I should, you know, like, make a team. No one wanted to pick me for a team to be an import. No one felt like I was good enough because I wasn't a WNBA player. They, the imports are typically WNBA caliber players. So there was a lot of pressure then that I felt, and I, I just, you know, I had this massive chip on my shoulder, and then I was lucky enough because the league had a lot of credibility, because I had a couple of good seasons that um, sort of catapulted me into getting a training camp contract in the WNBA. And so now, you know, I'm, what, six years on in the WNBA coming back, and I feel this different kind of pressure of like, well, now I am a WNBA player, and, you know, you still feel like you've got something to prove in that regard because obviously that's sort of revered as the best league, but WNBA obviously is fantastic too. So, yeah, you come back and feel this sense of like, well, there's – you can't – you have to play at the same level. You have to be the best if you're a WNBA player playing here, right? So there's that pressure too. So, yeah, I think that's kind of the – I think the – 
um, just the pressure that you feel as an athlete in general, it doesn't, it doesn't sort of change no matter where you go, or I guess it changes, but it's always there. It's a constant. So I think it's always dealing with that and understanding that, that, uh, there's a quote, I think it's uh, Billie Jean King that she said pressure is a privilege. And so I try to just view it as that to take off some of, you know, some of the weight of that. But yeah, there's absolutely pressure still. It is an interesting point that pressure is a privilege because, yeah, you're right. To be in that position where you feel pressure, things must be going pretty well. Like, well, there, that means know. there's expectations, I suppose. And expectations usually come when, you know, people think you're capable of doing something um, or you yourself feel capable of doing something. And, um you know, not not everybody does get that or have that. So I think that's that is part of my gratitude every day that I'm still in a in a position to feel that pressure. And um, again, I just I'm in a different mindset now. I think having a kid and seeing life through his eyes and stuff, it does allow you to kind of like step back a bit and just find the joy in things and and not not look so much to the the pressure and to the stakes, you know, and all of that. And um, that's been really nice for me, I think, because he does just, you know, he loves basketball already. He's obsessed with it, which is so fun to see. Um, and yeah, I get to kind of just, um, enjoy it through his eyes again and remember why I started playing because I just, you know, loved it and I still do. And so it's really, it's a nice reminder, I think. And we touched a bit on the WNBA. We're still trying to put you in context for people that might not have heard about you. You're playing for New York Liberty at the so moment. That's where I was most recently. My two-year okay. contract is up, and so, so now it's free agency um, starting this month, like yeah. in a couple of days, actually. So it's actually a very exciting time. Because, yeah, it's an interesting time um, as well. Yeah, I there's opportunity to, to potentially go back there, but also to go anywhere else that's interested. So... Um, that's always kind of a fun, a fun time. And, um, yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now. It's, there's a lot of uncertainty around that, which is always nerve wracking, but, um, yeah, the possibility for new opportunities. Um, I really love, that's a big part of why I'm still playing. I, I don't like the idea of, um, I don't know, kind of being stagnant and not developing, not growing and all of that. And I think, you know, new challenges, new opportunities usually mean that there's opportunity for that too. So that's kind of an exciting time. But the unknown part of it, there must be some, because I find for myself and a lot of people that I talk to, the anxiety lives in that sort of unknown part of it. Is that something you have to deal with at the moment as well? I think a little bit. I think if you focus on that side of it and usually like normally that I would, like that's where I live. Like that's my comfort is in that. (laughs) Unfortunately, (laughs) I just, I will overthink for days and play out every, you know, possible, um, you know, thing that could happen, every scenario. Um, so I'm, I'm very much in a place of anything can happen and, and that, 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 it's, that it's actually an exciting thing. Um, but yeah, there is uncertainty. I think, I think I'm trying to, um, to cling to, you know, I do know there is, like I've had some interest already sort of through the grapevine. Um, and that, I guess, is um, a positive thing. And it's, yeah, I don't know. I just think I'm trying to just cling to like the the hopeful side of it versus the sort of anxiety ridden side for once. Awesome. Well, fingers crossed. Um, well, not fingers crossed, actually. We're all <laughs> confident, but um, can't wait to see where you end up. Yeah. Now, we've been communicating for this show via yeah. Instagram and yeah. I was, we were messaging the other day to get you on board and I saw that you had a um, Instagram story up. So I clicked it, mm. thought, let's see if we can get a bit of background. And this is 
like it was awesome. I was like, how good is this? So I'll read it. I'll read the post. Okay. So there was someone had made a tweet Uh about you Uh and said, Sammy Whitcomb went undrafted in the 2010 WNBA draft and returned to the University of Washington as a video coordinator. Sammy believed this would be the end of her playing career, but she never gave up and is now a two-time WNBA champ and one of the top three-point shooters in the league. Yeah. I read that and I was like, wow, like already you were an interesting person that I wanted on board. <laughs> um, but then reading that, yeah. that's pretty nuts. Tell me a bit about that journey. Because you only started in the WNBA in 2017 when you were already yeah, 29, 28. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a bit about that yeah, part well, of the story. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's the real, I guess, like interesting part of my story that makes it probably different to a lot of other people's journeys. Um, for the WNBA. I, yeah, I graduated in 2010 and I definitely wasn't one of like the top players in the country. So I wasn't anticipating being drafted. Um, but it's still sort of this, you know, when it, when it happens, you're like, well, what do I do now? So you can still go to training camps and you can still make rosters. It's just a lot more difficult if you're not drafted. And I was lucky enough that I got a training camp invitation to Chicago. So I went, I did that and then was cut. Um, and that was kind of the real like, wow, okay, so what am I going to do? Because you dream, you know, you have these dreams and it never really occurs to you until, you know, someone says no, like you can't, that it's not going to like happen. Um, so that was like a real like kind of big moment in my life of, well, what do I really want this basically? Like, do I really want to keep playing basketball? And I did, but there just wasn't any opportunities overseas um, at the time for me. Um, so I was in this this period of well do I take this job or do I you know kind of not and then not really have anything but I guess I could keep just training and and you know hope that I find something anyways long story short I took the job I kept training on my you know on the side I played in a few men's leagues with some of my friends played in a few women's leagues so that I was still playing but um yeah I was a video coordinator I hated it it was awful it was absolutely miserable job I love basketball but it was just it was too much at the time the, being a video coordinator, you had to like, we were still working with VHSs and putting those in and like live transferring them to like, you know, it was like, yeah, you, know, you had to wait two hours for every game for it to transfer to the oh, laptop wow. and then you'd cut it and stuff. So it was just, it was awful. Now anyone like me. Can oh, just... it's, it's a lot simpler, a lot yeah. easier these days with the technology. Thank God, because yeah, I mean, film is still such a big part of yeah. you know, sports. Um, so yeah, I did that. And again, it was just, I really tried to not, um, like get down about it I just thought all right well this is sort of a roadblock and um, I know I want to play so I'll figure it out and then at the end of that season I quit my job Um, I got a different agent and um, just said look just find me anything like I know there are a lot of different levels overseas I know people that are playing that I think I'm as good as like you know hopefully I can just I just need the opportunity I I need one you know one team to say yes and I got really lucky and there's a team in Germany and so then yeah that following year after not playing um you know, kind of seriously for a year. I went to Germany and that was the start of my professional career. Um, And I did Germany for a couple of years before getting the opportunity to come and play in Australia. And then I went back and played like in Slovakia and then came back to Australia. And then once I saw that WNBL level, that was when I was like, okay, I really, really want to make it to that level. Um, And that took me, I want to say three, like three full 
SBL seasons before a team was like, okay, we're interested. Um, and it was the Perth team. And um, again, I just needed one. I just felt like I was always that person that was like, I just need one coach, one team, one one yes, and I'll do the rest. Um, and yeah, so I, it gave me an opportunity to really just kind of get better and work up, work at my game and improve. And um, I really took that seriously. I took that to heart and I lost a lot of weight. Um, I got really fit. Um, and then I just, yeah, like I said, I just really tried to improve and get better so that if and when I got that yes for WNBL, I'd be ready. And um, yeah, I got really lucky in 2016 and got to play. It's interesting that you say that if and when, because there's a like there's a long period of time yeah. where you still don't know, and you're probably making not very much money. There's yeah. probably you know you're getting older and stuff. Yeah. Obviously, you're the example of someone who kept gutsing it out, yeah. um, and obviously it's paid off in the end. But there must be still those thoughts in your head it would be natural for you to be like what if it doesn't work out yeah what am I, like? and I think I think when you have those and I definitely would have like I feel f- a little bit f- further removed from those moments to really remember what I was thinking but I was always a goal setter I was always all I was always someone that you know I'd go into it uh, the SBL season and I would have like I want to win MVP I want to win the championship I want to do this I want to do that and I would really just focus on those things and it always felt like because my immediate goal wasn't WNBA that was like I definitely wanted to get back there. I definitely wanted that opportunity but I my mind was like you know one foot in front of the other let's do these things in SBL level and that would lead to a WNBL opportunity like that's just how it worked in my mind this would lead to this you know like this much work would lead to this much success and I just really I really bought into that I really believed in it there wasn't a timeline for it. It wasn't like it had to happen in this amount of time for it to, you know, mean that I was doing the right thing. It just, it just was going to happen. And every, you know, season that I didn't get the WNBL opportunity, I, I really wasn't like disheartened in the sense of like, okay, it's not going to happen. It was like, okay, it's not happening yet. Like it's going to happen though. And I loved, I loved playing, you know? So it was like, I was still playing. I was still getting this opportunity to do what I loved and to get better. And you're right. I didn't make a lot of money. So I had to work at a fish and chip shop. So I worked in Rockingham as well. And I did that, which again, just another opportunity to like live and experience stuff. And, um, to just, I, I don't know, I guess really, um, remind myself that I'm I want this, you know, if I'm willing to do all of this, I really do like want it. Um, and then I think it just, yeah, it made me even that much more grateful for when that opportunity came around. And it definitely made me that much more prepared. I felt really, really prepared when the Perth team said they wanted to sign me. I was like, yep, cool. Been waiting for this, been ready for this, like whatever you need. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that first year, like we went from being the last place team to going to the grand final. We had, we had a lot of other really great players though. They'd really invested. It had gone from being like owned by WA to the Perth Wildcats. They had, um, bought us, Jack Bendat had. Um, so we had this really like revitalized group of players and that was really fun to be a part of. And, um, I had a good season that season and then a good season or I was in the middle of a good season that second season when um yeah wnba when a wnba team was interested um and so i got a a chance to go and do that from there so it was again when i got that first wnbl opportunity that was like right play well here do really well here i made my goals like i wanted us to win i wanted to be in the all-star five i wanted to do this um and you know you come up short in a couple of them you, you take a couple of them like it's never perfect um but i felt like if i did these things I would get a WNBA tryout. And that was all I wanted. I just, I really just wanted a tryout again. 
Um, it didn't happen that first year, no problems. I just got to do a little bit more that second year, you know, just keep working, just keep whatever. And it was, we were coming back from a road trip in Adelaide when my agent called me and said like, hey, so-and-so is interested in you for a training camp contract. And it was very much out of the blue. It felt really early. Like it didn't feel like it was kind of when that should be happening. And I just remember thinking like, cool like it's you know this is yeah like this was supposed to happen I didn't know when but like you know and there's there's also like I also remember thinking I cannot believe this is happening like even though you know you're trying to stick to this like positive plan and you know you all of that there's I think there's two sides to it you know you're like yes amazing and holy you know shit like it's actually happening you know so it was cool awesome I there's I've, I was writing notes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. I wasn't. I just wanted you to know that I wasn't sending a text oh, while no. you're like, <laughs> okay. hey, running late for coffee. Um, a few things that you said. First thing was that you were able to lose weight mm. and work at a fish and chip shop, which yeah. is an achievement in itself because those it things was. smell incredible and chicken salt i've never had chicken salt before that's an australian thing i didn't yes. realize and, and it's the best it thing is on the earth greatest isn't it? Thing. i mean i was putting that on everything you do so that, that made it difficult yeah. yeah yeah just putting it on broccoli yes. in the end yeah. um but at the start of this sort of part of your story you talked about that being told you're not good enough yeah and as i mentioned to you before we i interview athletes and people on the show but you can transfer so many of these lessons mm. to your life. Yeah. Now, that thing of being told you're not good enough, it happens to athletes, obviously, mm. but, like, you can get told that by someone that you're dating yeah. or a friend or someone yeah. at, at work. So yeah. it's a crushing feeling when you get told. Yeah. But was your sort of mentality to double down and go to work? How do you overcome something like that? I mean, I think for – I think – you're right. It's definitely that is like the ever present sort of like in any part of life that's just there. It's a it's a fear. I think we all have. It's a it's a worry. Um, it's something that I think drives a lot of us to be good enough or, you know, to not be ever told that. And um, that's not a sports. Uh, it's not exclusive to sports. But in sports, I think it's really hard because usually like that's our greatest. You know, it's like our passion. It's our life. So, you know, you're you're investing so much of yourself in it to then be told, well, it's not enough. Mm-hmm is really difficult. I think for me, I was at a place and it was at a time when, you know, I'd just done this, this tryout and I, like, I knew I'm, I'm not an idiot. Like I was not good enough to make that team to play in that league at that time. So I think that was probably harder than hearing it from someone. It was knowing that, that it was true and like believing that it was true myself. I didn't really need the confirmation. (laughs) So I think that's always harder for me. I'm a really self-aware person. I'm really honest with myself. Um, When I can honestly look in the mirror and say, well, no, you're not where you need to be yet. That's like, that's really hard for me. Um, But it was also this really exciting time because it was like, okay, I've just done this. That was sort of like a, you know, a barometer for me. Like that was the benchmark I wanted to reach. And so now I got to go away and learn from, from those few weeks of playing against these really phenomenal athletes. And it was, you know, I'm not strong enough. I'm not fast enough. I don't shoot well enough. My basketball IQ is not where it needs to be. There were a lot of things I had to work on. So that was probably the most overwhelming thing. Like I'm literally not good enough in in all of these areas, but like, it's not, I had so much room to grow. And that was really exciting because, um, I, I love that that's part of what draws me to sport. Like you, you go, you work, you improve. It's, it's really addicting. Um, to see that improvement and feel it. So 
at least there was that. At least there was that side of it, right, for me. Not that, not everybody gets that. Not everybody gets to hear you're not good enough, but if you do these things, like, you will be or you could be. So I found my sort of light, you know, in that. I found um, that there was a way to get there. There was a path, and that was really positive for me. So, yeah, I did. I doubled down. I worked really hard. And, again, it took me way longer than, you know, it probably did for a lot of people. And um, people might have backed out, like, way sooner than I did. But, again, I think that's just part of that's part of my journey, and it's not part of everyone's. Um, and I got lucky along the way that I had these different um, – sort of pathways provided and each time I feel like they offered a new opportunity to get better at something a new challenge a new you know a moment to um, decide do I really want this and to again double down on myself and to be resilient or to not be and um, yeah I think ultimately that's it, it really did just prepare me for that moment where I got to go back and go to a, a training camp in the WNBA I think every little thing along the way really prepared me because I had to go into that so mentally tough um and I it challenged me in every possible way and I think had it come any sooner I wouldn't have been ready um so there's so many things about that that I look back and I think yeah it was long it was hard it was arduous um but it was absolutely happened the way that it probably needed to happen for me to be fully prepared for it. It's so interesting. I know that you were listing quite an extensive list of things that you weren't good enough at, yeah. but it, it strikes me like hard work yeah. is actually a skill in itself. Yeah. And some people aren't born with that or not so much the ability to work hard, but the ability to understand mm. that you have to work hard. Yeah. That's a, that's a skill in itself. Now, you touched on being ready mm. um, and a lot of, you know, 18-year-olds or 21-year-olds coming out of, you know, the high school or yeah. the college system, they probably have all the talent in the world but they're not ready to actually make the most of it because yeah. you just did a kid. You're a kid, yeah. yeah. Talk to me a little bit about how you made sure you were ready. Is it just the process of time that by the time you yeah. got there you've – got all that experience I mean in some life. of it is for sure the experience like I went overseas and I played and I got I got the experience of playing against professionals like people who had been doing it for a long time um, you know you have to get beat up a little you have to like get knocked down a little bit and really humbled I think a little bit as well um, so I had that experience playing overseas um, and I think that was really good for me and then it's also it's learning how to be a professional so like I said I had to lose weight I had to like change my eating habits I had to change how I was how I was working out you know it's, it's one thing to work out hard and be in the gym all the time but like are you being efficient with that time are you actually being intentional and purposeful and even with my weights and stuff I eventually changed that and did a program that really helped me like get a lot stronger and and like functional for basketball as well because that's also you know like relevant so it was all of those things it was just learning those things and I think some of that is through trial and error and then some of it's I got really lucky and met some really fantastic people who helped me along the way um, and then in terms of like that, just maturity, I think in and, of, in and of itself, like it's facing like defeat and facing someone saying you're not good enough and, you know, the getting back up and just learning that. I think when you're young, you, of course you face it, but it's just 
when the stakes are higher and things matter more, that's when it's really like to me more impressive when you get knocked down and you get back up and it's like, well, that's fine. I can just, you know, you can't be afraid to fail. And I, I had to learn that because I was, I was really afraid to fail. Um, so I think getting to the other side of that was really helpful for me in the sense of like, it doesn't matter. I'm every day I'm happy to fail because it means like I'm learning something, I'm growing, I'm figuring out how to be successful with that. Um, so yeah, I think once I got there, then it was like, okay, I'm ready now to go, um, and face like my kind of ultimate dream here. Um, and I'm ready to go there and I'm ready to like give it everything I have, which is scary because if you do that and, and now I'm 28, 29 and I'm failing, like that's hard. Cause then you really feel like, well, maybe that's a check, like that's a door really closing, you know? Before it felt like a window, this would feel a little bit more like like that that that's like a no. Yeah. <laughs> you're just not yeah. you've gone away for eight years or seven years and worked and you're yeah. still it's still a no from us. So that was like a hard prospect to face. Um, but I think you just have to like I said, I'd learned so much from every other failure and every kind of stop along the way that I think ultimately I really did believe in myself. I believed in, like you said, that hard work. I think there's always a place for someone that's willing to be the hardest worker in the room. And I felt like even if I was kind of lacking in other areas still, I felt like that was going to be like my, like how I was going to get in, how I was going to get my foot in the door. Um, so I backed myself, which is hard to do, I think, too, as an athlete. But years of, you know, hard work and experience and prep, I think just naturally gave me a little bit more confidence than I'd had probably when I was younger. You touched on it in your initial answer and then just then again about that that fear of coming up short. Yeah. But say for so. Um, I do a lot of running at the moment. That's mm. sort of my thing. Oh yeah. One day. And I always talk about it. It's my only personality <laughs> trait as well. Um, but the fear of coming up short, like setting an ambitious goal. If yeah. I want to run 100 kilometres tomorrow mm. and I run usually 5Ks a day, mm. if I go and I get to 80, technically I've failed. Yeah. But when you think about it and you go, no, 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 you've actually run 80 kilometres did you, were you one of those people that were like, well, if I get to the WNBA and I don't get in and I'm 28, mm. technically I've failed, but you wouldn't have, would you? Because no, of all the other things in your life. And that was really it for me. Like by the time I got back there, like everyone was constantly, you know, you're constantly like, you've, you've got that goal, you've got that goal. And the further into my journey I got and the further away from that, like initial tryout and, and getting cut the more I was like, this, this is the goal, you know, like I'm, I'm playing professionally. I've got this career. I'm developing, I'm having all these experiences, meeting people and getting paid to play basketball here and there and all of that. Like, like I have a life, you know, playing basketball. And that was really, I think, special to kind of start to appreciate. Like not everybody gets through that. I played with some really great players in college not one of them was doing what I was doing and not because they couldn't. It was some, it was injury for some. It was, um, some people didn't want to go away from home. They were a bit anxious. I think about playing overseas. Um, some couldn't like, didn't find opportunities kind of like how I did in that first year. So it was like this really, this realization of like, I want to do that. It's a goal. I definitely want that opportunity, but if I don't make it, that that's just, that's part of my journey for whatever reason, like that, that would just be it. But the failure for me was if I wasn't going to get the opportunity to try again. I really just wanted that chance to like, again, see, like measure myself. Like, okay, I got to do it then, was clearly not ready. 
I've spent all this time now working at it. I've done all these things. I've really tried to, you know, get better here, here, and here, um, and take what I've learned from that and, and, and apply it. I just want to get to, I want to measure myself again, because for me, it was about what I thought. It was my opinion more than someone else's, you know, like, of course you could get there and, you know, you could, I could clearly not be good enough and we could both agree on that. And okay, see you later. I'm sorry. I, you know, I really tried. I, I thought I'd done all these things. No. Or I could get there and I could think, you know what? No, I can play with these players. There just might not be a role or a spot for me, but like, at least I could have walked away thinking, nah, like I held my own. I'm proud of myself for that. So I think that was really where that, like, where, where I was living. It was in that moment of I just wanted to be able to get there and to, like, know that, like, you know, walk away feeling that, that, like, all the work and everything I'd done had really, you know, really made a difference. And um, not that it was for nothing because, like I said, I'd, I'd, I'd created this whole life. I had got to do all these different things. I'd found myself in Australia living my dream there, doing what I wanted, and I really felt like everything led me to that point as well. Um, so, yeah, you're right. It's It's hard to not to not feel like a failure in those moments. But if you look at like the scope of what you've accomplished up to that point, you've done so much. Um, and so, yeah, I think if you can, if you can view it in that way, it's, it's, it's actually really special, everything that you've done, even if you, you didn't do the one thing. Exactly. And you found chicken salt. And I found chicken salt. My goodness. Which who what? needs the WNBA when you've got who chicken needs, salt? <laughs> who needs a big dream? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That when you've got chicken salt. But to achieve, we're always looking forward. Yeah. But I think, and you can't do it all the time, but it is very special to sometimes turn around mm. and be like, whoa. Like, yeah. look at all the things yeah. that I've done. You can't do it all the time because no. then you won't go anywhere. You'll be yeah. like, I was really good when I was 21. Now, yeah. I'm, now I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> but think about when I was 21. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we, we do need to take the time to celebrate and turn around and be like, oh, I did that. Yeah. And, I mean, Kate's been really – my wife has been really helpful with that. We're, we like to take stock. It's hard because you, you chase. Like, you go from WNBA to, you know, either Europe or WNBL, and then you go back to there. Mm. And then in, in and amongst all that, you've got, like, a world championship or you've got, you know, something else. There's just constant um, stuff when you're an athlete usually. So it's hard to find, like, a moment of peace to really look back and reflect. We did it this year because it was a massive year. It was a WNBA year. So world champs, which that had been, there'd been a lot of prep and anticipation of that. It was, you know, in Sydney at home. So the first time I, I, it was the second one I'd been to, but the first one where I was selected, not as an injury replacement. So that was really big for me. Um, and then, yeah, coming back into this WNBL season and before the WNBA season, there was a WNBL season where we'd gone to the championship and lost. So like there were so many things. So we really did. We made sure that we sat down and had a wine and just like reflected on the massive year and, I think you need that because you go, you do these things and there's so little time after to be like, oh, like we, like we did that. We want a medal here. You know, we'd spent all this time talking about the lead up was massive. You do it. And then like the next day you're, you're gone. Like you leave, you're yeah. not there anymore. You're not around those people. It's over. It's a, now it's a ticked box. And it's like, it's so much more than a tick. Yeah. Suddenly it's in the past and you're, yeah, you're right. You have this. I had it this year. It was so weird because we had this massive build up to worlds and we'd been preparing, preparing, and there was so much pressure. It was a home worlds, all these things. Um, it was huge. And then we did it. We, you know, we accomplished our goal. We got a medal. And I remember feeling like the next week really flat, like, mm. like what, like what's next, yeah. you know, like you already feel like you have to have this big thing you're chasing straight away after. Cause I, that was like such a focal point for me for like, 
a whole year really like that was like what we were chasing you know um so that was like a really I had to like that was in that moment I was like okay no that's not okay like it's okay like it's okay to feel these things but I need to really like sit in the fact that like we did this we accomplished this and it is okay now to like have a bit of time to not have an immediate goal like to just be me now to be with my family we went to Bali it's amazing like we just you know I was just that I wasn't an athlete you know I think it's really hard to separate the two sometimes um and I think once I allowed myself to like be really grateful and really appreciative and all of that by that moment but then I'm just now I'm just Sammy and like I don't have a goal I have a goal of like you know hanging at the beach with my son and my wife and trying to not get a sunburn in Bali like that was the goal and that was re it was really nice to actually let myself like do that because it's hard how'd you go did you get a sunburn um I didn't get a sunburn perfect you I got keep some, kicking goals I know I got some I got some funky tan line I'm quite white so even if I don't okay. get a sunburn like I'm gonna get lines because yeah. I don't see a lot of sun it's coming it's, it's they're coming. coming but yeah no I didn't get the I didn't get the like really just awful super bad paint line. oh that's good um Someone I've been following a lot, um, Ned Brockman, don't know yeah. about your story, but oh, he talks about... So fun to watch. Like, obviously, recently, he hadn't run and again until, like, a couple of weeks ago, yeah. but he talked about sort of that was as low as he'd been mm. was a week after being like, I'm the guy who runs yeah. and now I'm not running. Yeah. And for a year, you'd been the person who's looking to get a medal yeah. and then you get it yeah. and you're like, oh, okay, like... What am I? What now? What am I now? Yeah. But that's how you progress, I guess, is yeah. to go to the next thing. Now, obviously, it went pretty well. All those, you're not good enough and knock back. And then you mm. get into the league in 2017. And by 2020, you've got a couple of, couple of chips. Yeah. Um, tell me about the feeling of being a WNBA champion. Obviously, you were with the Seattle Storm, which is sort of yeah. a – it was a dynasty, really. They were a very successful team for a yeah. very long time and always around the mark. Yeah. Tell it, me about that. It was – well, first, I mean, just getting getting a chance to – like, I went to college in Seattle. I had – I was there in 2010 when they won a championship with Lauren Jackson. Like, okay. I remember being in the stands watching those games and, and idolizing them and thinking, like, this is the dream, right? Like, this is where you want to be. I love Seattle, so – it's a great place out here. It is. It's beautiful. And it's got such a vibrant, like, just sports community. Like, the fans yeah. are incredible. Um, Hopefully they bring back the Sonics. Yeah. We I mean, had every, very cool everybody uniforms. wants that. Yeah. Everybody wants that. Um, but they're, they're just as passionate about women's basketball. They're awesome. like, I would go and there would be sellout crowds to, you know, watch them, watch Sue and, and LJ. So it was to hear that that was a team interested, that was going to be the opportunity. It really felt, you know, it felt like – a movie it felt like a fairy tale it was a very full circle moment for me to get a chance to go back and the team that I you know adored and watched win championships to get a chance to come and play for them would just it seemed really um like it seemed written sort of so it was really fun to to do that but it was also terrifying like I I was this 28 year old yes I had all this experience now which I was very much relying on but um zero WNBA experience which you know is not not noteworthy you know like yeah. that's still sort of relevant so i uh, went we went there early and um, i wanted to get on the time zone and wanted to do some early trainings there and stuff and then you know i was feeling really good and then camp started and as you noted before i have i'd become a three-point shooter that was sort of my thing and couldn't make a shot i just could not could not see one go in the basket uh obviously i was doing all the other, i was i was working my tail off i was you know all those things are great. I was getting rebounds and, you know, trying to do all these other things to make myself stand out. And it was like day four camp. 
coach comes over to me and she's like, look, we know how badly you want it. But like, you know, there's a thing as there is such a thing as wanting it too much. Like yeah. you're really just like, there's too, you, you've got too much pressure on yourself. You know, she was kind of like, you know, you're playing yourself off the roster, really like how you're, yeah. how you're, wow. how you're going. And I was just like, I know this is meant to help me, but I'm like, it's really hard hearing that, you know, like that's mm. really, that's like a make or break moment. It's like, She's telling you you have to do better in this moment or, like, they don't have a role for you. But you were already trying so hard and it wasn't yeah. going well. Like, what do I do? I can't try. And she's telling you you can't be trying harder. Like, that's not the cure. But that's like, how you got but there. But that's how I got there, right? Like, that's me. That's mm. that's in my DNA. So what do I do? So I just remember, I you know, I kind of had my moment of, like, okay, like, go to the bathroom, get your shit together. Because I didn't want to, like, I wanted to cry, but I was like, you can't cry. Like, you know, there's no crying in women's basketball. <laughs> So I got myself together and I remember I just, I just said to myself, like, F it, you cannot do any worse. Like you're already at this stage, not on the team. Yeah. So just, just play, just have fun. Don't think about it. Just, you know, just be loose. Doesn't matter at this point. You know, I, I was trying to just very much like downplay the whole thing. Like, doesn't matter. You're not going to make the team. <laughs> just, just play, you know, fun. like just have fun. And sure enough, you know, I started making shots. I played better. You know, I sort of eased my way into it that way. And um, come the final day of cuts, I was still there. And she called me into her office and she thought it'd be funny to, like, pretend like I was getting cut and then, like, be like, oh, you made the team. Oh, she's a psychopath. <laughs> yeah, she was like, I just thought it'd be more memorable. <laughs> like, trust me, just, it was already memorable. Like, I wasn't going to forget so it. So she did the whole, like, you know, oh, this part's always so hard. Like, it's just never, in the, you know, so tough oh, making cuts. Like, blah, 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 blah. And she was like, but you've made the team. Oh, my Lord. And I, like, looked at her and was kind of like, oh, oh, like, I, what? You know? And so she was, gave me a big hug, and I felt like I was going to throw up. And mm, As you would. I went outside, and I just, I called Kate on the steps of where we you know, were training, and I just started crying and said, you know, like, I'd made the team. And so, like, it was really, it was, it was a really memorable moment. I, I think it would have been memorable just the same had I not thought I wasn't making the team, because I had already kind of wasn't sure, you know? There was already a lot of certain uncertainty, but... um. Yeah, that was that was thrilling. There were so many things. But then that just felt like, you know, I didn't want to just make the team. I really did want to have an impact. I wanted to become a, a, a WNBA player that, like, contributed, that helped this team. I didn't want to be the 12th man that sat on the bench and, you know, cheered. I was happy to do that. Don't get me wrong. If I'm yeah. on the bench, I'm going to cheer my, my butt off. But I, I really wanted to, to, you know, have a role. Um, so I worked. I, I got there, and I was in the gym every single day before practice. I'd stay late if I needed to. Did all those kinds of things. Um, it's different in WNBA. Like you, we played against guys a lot, so it was that that first five got a lot of those practice minutes. The second five would, you know, get some, and then if if there's twelve players and you're eleven and twelve, like it was really tough to get reps and to get minutes and stuff on the court in practice. So you didn't always get those and. You know, games would come. I, that first year, I think I had three DMPs. Those first three games, I think it was. And game four comes, and we're playing New York, actually. And we were playing terribly. And it was like the third quarter. We were down 12 or something. And for whatever reason, this was the moment they decided they thought, put in Sammy. Yeah, why not? So they put me in. 
and I made six threes and had like 22 points and we won the game. We came back and we won the game and it was absolutely absurd. That it was sounds the craziest incredible. thing ever. So cool. Crowd was full, like they were going absolutely nuts. Like Is this in Seattle or New York? It's in Seattle. Oh, like wow. it was yeah, it was crazy. Like it's still one of my favorite things to remember because I just remember like the whole game I'm like, I'm not going in. I'm sure I'm not <laughs> going in. I haven't played these other ones. So I'm sitting there just like, you know, Cheering. Like not prepared at all to go in, which is so silly. You should always be prepared. Yeah. But I just genuinely thought if I go in, it'll be the fourth quarter, like last two minutes because we're yeah. losing by 20. Get a few free laps or and something. And then I just, I, rem- I think she had to say my name like twice because I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like, did you just say my name? You know, get up, you go in. But I swear because I was just so not overthinking and I wasn't sitting there all tight. Like, oh, if I go in, am I going to like be crap? You know, I was just like, so she called my name. I went in. I was like, all right, whatever. Let's do it. Like, you know, and I just remember it was like, I, I don't, I don't remember, like, it was very much like you're in the zone, you black out, it just happened. And I think it was all of the, like, I'm sure nerves and excitement. And like I said, not overthinking it, but yeah, one of, one of my favorite memories to look back on. And that year was very much like that for me. It was, I wouldn't play games and then you go in when you're down 20 every now and then, you know, mm. you might get a shot when it's still a game. And it was um, the hardest professional year of my life for a number of reasons. Um, and when I got through it in the end and survived it, cause that's what it felt like. It really felt like a survival <laughs> for that season. I remember thinking there's like, there's nothing I can't do. Like I, I got through that. I'm good. Like nothing can phase me now. Um, and then the next year, cause we did, we had a really great team, but we got a new coach that next year that came in. Um, and we were that much more experienced with the players from the bench, including myself, that core group. Um, and then, yeah, we ended up winning the championship that year. Um, my favorite memory from that year was kind of similar to that first year. We, we were in um, the semifinals against Phoenix, and it was very clear, like, whoever won this series was, like, probably going to win the championship because we were just – the teams were so tough, so good. Game five, we were playing Diana Taurasi's team, and um, I played – couple minutes in that first quarter I, I actually scored I made a three I made a like a floater um but I was not anticipating going back in the second half second half is going to be it's game five like that's where mm-hmm. they're just riding the starters and it's going to be whoever plays the best from you know those five and I got subbed in in the third quarter because again we got down by like I don't know it was like eight or something and I get subbed in and I play the rest of the game and I didn't even, it wasn't like I was amazing. I think, you know, I did hit a three. I think I got another layup, whatever. But I was just like playing my butt off defensively, making sure I'd get the ball to Sue or to Stewie, whoever needed it. But yeah, I just remember being like, I can't, I can't believe this. Like, I can't believe I'm playing in this moment. And I was on the court, you know, on game five when we won to go to a championship. And it was just, again, like just crazy because I, I think I had DNPs like the the two games before that, like I didn't even play, you know, and then you go into the championship series. I think I didn't play game one, but then like you play game three and that's just, it's part of being a pro and it's so hard. And again, I just think all the things along the way that got me there, like really just hardened me and and like made me really um, prepared for those moments of like, it could happen, it might not happen, but there's no like, you know, if it doesn't, that's okay. And if it does, great, you know, you're ready for it. Um, so yeah, winning that champion, that first championship was, um, incredible, like really, really hard to even fathom. And then that second one in 2020, because by then I really was like, I had a role, I had carved out that role for myself. 
Um, I was playing a lot more. Um, that one was really like, it felt different. It hit different, as I say, just because like, I felt like I was really a part of us winning that. You know, you, you have to have a bench. You have to have people coming in to help support those starters and to give them their breaks. And I really felt like I was a part of that. So that one was really, really special. Now, you mentioned in, um, earlier on about Sue. Yeah. Um, now, if people have no idea... <laughs> about WNBA, yeah, no, but, it's possible. They, but even then they <laughs> yeah. might still have heard about her. Yeah, that's true. Tell me a bit about a player like that and, and, and being there, yeah. having been at a fish and chip shop in Rockingham yeah. and then you're like, oh, now I'm with arguably the greatest player of all time. Well, this is my just, journey. It's funny because you like, I'm a basketball fan, so I've watched her her whole career, you know, like even when she's at UConn, you're watching that and... This is Sue Bird, um, by yeah, the way, sorry, if people Sue don't. Bird. Let, yeah. me, let me reiterate. Um, me talking as if I'm on a first-name basis with her. <laughs> oh, my mate Susan. Sue. Yeah, she's uh, next. She's just down the road yeah. waiting. So it, it's hard because you, even when you meet her, like the first time you meet her, you're meeting her. I'm, I was a fan when I met her. Like, I'm meeting her. She's my teammate now or, you know, someone I'm trying to be a teammate with. But, like, it's the fan in me that feels like is meeting her, you know. But I had – I haven't had so much respect for her because – she was very much like she's the greatest kind of leader I've ever been around. Um, but she has such an appreciation and respect for um, anyone that is a hard worker and stuff. So I think straight away we really like got along well on that level because she knew if I was the 12th man, if I was six man, whatever, like I was going to give the same kind of effort every single day. And um, she really made me feel valued in that role. And I think there's you can there's so much to be said about that when Sue Bird is making you feel really valuable as the 12th man. Like, that's hard to do. And she made everyone feel that way on the team. Um, and I, like I said, I really, I learned so much from her, from her work ethic, from her approach to the game. She has her, like her just basketball mind and IQ is second to none in my experience. And I learned a lot from that as well. Um, but yeah, I guess sharing the court with her and being a part of you know her getting to because she's she'd won championships before and all of that but she you know you get to a stage where you're never sure if you're going to again and she always used to say that she wasn't sure if she'd win again so to be a part of her winning two more and and seeing the way she did it and you know the that first one the 2018 one that we won like that game five that I got to play and like she just went wild she just absolutely put us on our back and it was so special to just yeah like I said share the court with her in those moments and be a part of that and that's something that I'll have you know forever like they've rebuilt the arena what used to be key arena in Seattle and there's murals in there championship teams that like I'm on with Sue like things like that like that's crazy you know like that's so so special so yeah that was really it was really incredible to get to sharing that with her and be a part of that with her and then sort of like juxtaposition of that it was like the infancy of Brianna Stewart's you know the start of her career and the start of all of her championship winning and her being the greatest player in the world and so to then also get to share in that with her um and to see the way she works and the way she leads and all those things like I was very lucky I'm very lucky like I just think to have gotten that opportunity was um is something that yeah I'll always be so so grateful for obviously you go and play a couple of seasons with New York and um who knows what's next but I guess how do you reflect on that time is that still something that you reflect on a championships are pretty special or are you still 
I'll wait till after I retire. No, I definitely think it's important to like, I think while you're still playing, remember how rare, like it's, it's hard. It's really hard to win a championship at any level. Like in WNBL, it's really hard. Like I still haven't won a championship. I've been to like three finals, I think now, three grand finals and not one. Like it's hard no matter where you are to win. And I think getting to, um, to experience that and to get to get to experience that kind of in the early part of my WNBA career obviously later in my actual career was I was very lucky very fortunate but it put me in a position of like I could I felt like I could make decisions based on like myself a little bit more versus where am I going to win you know like I I'd got to experience that I knew what that looked like I knew what it felt like I knew what it took now I, I was very very fortunate so when I'd done my rookie career, my rookie contract, excuse me, and I was now, what, 32, finishing <laughs> yeah. my rookie contract. I found myself in a position as a free agent to go somewhere else if I wanted to and potentially, you know, sort of spread my wings. That was how I was viewing it in my head. Um, and, and see what, like, what other kind of role could I have? What other kind of WNBA player could I, could I be? I was, I created my role there. I very much had, you know, carved out a role for myself in Seattle. I loved it. I was grateful for it. I'd learned so much from it. But I felt like... There was a bit of a, like I had a ceiling there. Like that was going to be my role there really with that group. And that's, that, there was, that wasn't a critique of them. It was more to say they were that good. You know, there were just that many players in front of me that I just, I probably wasn't going to be able to, you know, get any more time. And I really wanted to just see like how good could I be at the WNBA. Um, so yeah, when teams started saying, well, look, we've got a role here because we're going to kind of rebuilding a bit. We need some like I was now considered sort of a vet because I was 32, even though I'd only played a few years. In so the you league. finish your rookie contract and then you're a vet. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, but I was 32, so I like yeah. I was, you know. And there were a couple of teams. New York being one of them was very young. They, you know, had new coaches. They were starting over. They were trying to rebuild and get New York back to where it was. And that was appealing to me. There was there was really opportunity for me to earn a larger role. Um, so that was ultimately why I left. It was hard. It was hard to leave the sort of comfortable you know, role that I had created. I knew what it was going to look like. I knew what it, what, the, what that would be, um, you know, potential probably to probably win again as well, continue to play with Sue and Stewie, like, and some people that now had become some of my best friends there as well. Um, that was hard, really hard. And a lot of people I think were really, what is she doing? But I think a lot of people were like, what are New York doing? Like, you know, cause I went there and ended up being a starter. Um, and that was, um, really really exciting for me to end up getting that role there um and I loved it and I, I felt like I developed so much and learned so much and it was hard we lost a lot of games and um there was obviously a lot more pressure now on me to help us win and stuff um but I just I really really loved that basketball experience in terms of um feeling like I could really try and do, develop and grow um, and then year two was hard because again I felt like I took a step back so that was difficult wasn't starting anymore which isn't usually like starting not starting whatever but it was more the the growth and development part I felt like I really didn't take a step forward that season and that's probably the hardest thing for me um, so I felt like last year was a failure in terms of like as a WNBA season that was really difficult um, so I think that's why I feel a little bit like newly reinvigorated I think to if I do go back to New York, if not, whatever, but to like find a place where hopefully I can kind of, you know, rediscover myself and, um, and develop again and grow and add something to my game and figure out how to get better again. Cause I just think otherwise it's just not as enjoyable for me.
Awesome. Selfishly, I have a weird question that has nothing to do with anything. But living in New York, yeah. that's a goal of mine. Yeah. Tell me a well, bit about that. I saw was, a few photos on your Instagram. It looks like a fairy tale. Yeah, it was actually kind of a funny, like, we just sort of put it out in the universe. Kate and I, one year we thought, because we didn't after that first year, we're like, I could play one more year in the WNBA. I could not play again. But we thought, how fun would it be to, like, play in New York and live in New York for a season? Like, it would be so cool. And that was, like that first year we kind of said that and then you know fast forward and three four years later whatever we're doing that so we were the same we were like this is so cool like they put you up in like a pretty great setup lovely it's all sorted so yeah we loved it we lived in brooklyn we played at barclays we trained at barclays we lived next door to barclays like it was so nice like the dream and brooklyn's like cool now very cool yeah brooklyn is kate's lived in melbourne it has a bit of like melbourne vibes not as like yeah not as hustle and bustle obviously but in terms of like the cool cafes the culture yeah this the that like it was very like we loved it we really really enjoyed living in Brooklyn and we ventured like you know to the city and stuff and that was really cool and actually pretty easy as well with subways and all that kind of stuff um but we really enjoyed living in Brooklyn that was a really great setup um so yeah like if we don't end up living in New York again sad because that was cool but like we very much got to live out a little dream with that too so yeah I definitely your your um enviousness of that is it's yeah yeah it's accurate i'm very it's very cool i'm very jealous yeah. and my mum loves new york i feel yeah. like maybe one day i'll take mum yeah. for a little while oh it's it's worth it and yes or no on the uniform i personally like the new york oh like uniform. the sea and stuff yeah yeah big fan i enjoy yeah? it yeah yeah it's a polarizing color oh is it don't you think i guess I think because I like it, I just assume other people like it. Yeah, okay. That's a good way to live your life, know. really. Yeah. <laughs> but he means polarizing. I like it. It's only polarizing if I don't like it. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> no, yeah, I definitely, I was a big fan of those ones. I thought they were beautiful. Yeah, yeah. they're cool. Um, we have a fan question. Oh. Yeah. From Matt. <laughs> no, not from Matt. No, I thought that that would be too easy. No, I have a friend who is obsessed with basketball. Oh, yeah, cool. Um, and his name's Finn, so shout out to Finn. And he wanted to know off-season training program Mm. what do you get up to in the off-season but I'm thinking do you even have one we don't that's the thing so yeah I don't I haven't had an off-season ever maybe okay or since doing since coming to Australia I haven't because before that I would go home after like Europe was like eight months so you'd have like some of the summer you'd finish in like April May and then you'd go back in like August or so and start back in September, but like you'd have, you know, a few months in the summer. Um, so I, I did have off seasons and I don't really remember them. That was a long time ago. I, I assume I went home and I trained and I spent time with family, but they would have been way less rigorous mm. because I was still young and figuring all that out. Um, but now it's, it's trying to like maintain a certain level, but like not like overdo it right like loads are really important management of those like there's so much technology even just in that these days with people um obviously like recovery all those things you know there's cryo and floats and this and that and like there's you know it's just so expensive to try and keep your body like healthy basically where is is your cryo chamber inside inside it's it's in the bedroom (laughs) yeah but like you know you find things that work for you and like i have like a sauna blanket thing so i do like that kind of stuff i love any kind of like sauna heat stuff i've tried float tanks actually really love them i thought mentally it was actually really nice just like you know you're just floating there and you could just turn just off go for a somewhere. second yeah um I got, I got i've gotten into pilates now so there's lots of different things i think you can do but for me it's always about like what do i feel like i need in order to like get better or to feel my best so like 
sometimes it's changing my weights and lifting really heavy. Like I need to like, you know, whatever, get stronger. I feel like I've lost a bit of power. I've lost, you know, my quick first step or it's actually, oh God, I just need to get leaner. I feel like I'm just slower and heavier and whatever. So I need to do this or, um, it might be that I need to spend way more time on court, you know, like I need to really focus on these things. And so there's always, there's something that I'm always, like I said, trying to like tweak or change or add or fix, but it's, it's not, it's not your typical, what you would imagine is a typical off season in terms of like, you're just killing yourself mm. because you're not playing. Cause it's that off season now for me is when I'm not in the WNBA because WNBA is so like that schedule is so hectic. You're playing sometimes four times in eight days with travel. Um, if you're not like a starter playing heavy minutes, you have to do additional you know, cardio to stay on top of it. You've got to get your weights in whenever you can on the road, 6 a.m. at the hotel, post game at midnight, like whatever it is, you've really got to like. So that's like, that's my season now if I'm playing WNBA and my off season is actually the longer kind of, you know, season overseas, whether whether it's Europe or WNBL. So I have to try and find pockets within those seasons to, like I said, to add something, to change something, to, you know, have my preseason. And it might be like a lot of times as I head into like the end of a season, but it's the beginning of WNBA. That's like my preseason sometimes, even though it's like the end of another mm. season. So it, it can be difficult to try and like navigate that, but um, it's the life of like a, usually a, female professional yeah. basketball player in terms of this is a weird question and i'm scared to ask it but you're, you're 34 now mm. and obviously you're still you know you're still a force to be reckoned with in the wnbl and you was starting you know as recently in the wnba mm. as a couple of years ago is it a distant thought in the back of your head about well, your clock is ticking or is that something you think about yeah I mean I'm very like I said I'm I'm very self-aware so I think all those things are really important because one I think like it, it that's a big part of my like current like mental health and like gratitude of like I feel like I have not a ticking clock like I feel like I have a a, a finish line though that I can kind of see mm. and in like not in a really sad whatever way but in like a just a really honest like I have more I want to do with my life as well outside of basketball, like yeah. that kind of stuff. So I have one kind of last really big goal. I want to go to the Olympics in 2024. So that's kind of my, you know, as we talked about like goals and focuses, like I went from worlds to like, okay, it's the Olympics, you know? Yeah. So I've got this window of like 18 months of prep for that. And, um, and you know, there's obviously lots of things along the way that I want to do in terms of a WNBA season, this WNBL season, those types of things. But that's kind of like, you know, that's like my last ultimate real thing that I would like to um, achieve. And yeah, so for me, it's like, I'll get there. Who knows how I'll feel when I get there, whenever, and who knows what I'll look like when it, you know, what, what, how I'll be playing, all those things. I can't really control that. I'll do everything I can to, to be at my best in that moment. But it kind of is what it is when I get there. And um, if I'm feeling like really content and really happy and, you know, I can hang up, you know, hang it up and move on from there. But I've also said if I feel like I've got more that I want to give to the game and I feel like I'm in a place where I can still get better, like, you know, I can I can keep playing if I want. But I think knowing that it's, there's a real possibility that I would be done after that, um, I feel really grateful every day. You know, I'm trying to like every day I'm like, oh, 
you know, every, you know, WNBL game I play, oh, who knows how many, you know, like, mm. this could be my last, like, WNBL season. That's, you know, there's a bit of, like, it's bittersweet, but it's, like, I get to be in this really unique position of, like, just really present because I do really understand this sort of like where I'm at in my career and stuff. And I think you can be in denial about that and not really look at that. And I get why, why people wouldn't and why you don't. But I also think without focusing on it, I think being aware of it really has given me this like, you know, I don't know, this different level of joy. of like I'm so happy that I get to do this. Um, even if it is just for a little bit longer. It's, it's a weird thing. And everyone goes through it at some stage but it, it makes the lows easier mm. it's like if you're at a weight session early in the morning that you don't want to be at it's yeah. like actually i'm gonna enjoy I'm gonna this, this. yeah like, very soon i won't have this and i i just know in those moments you will miss that and they always there's all these you know quotes about like i wish i knew i was in the best part of my life when i was in the best part of my life yeah. whatever it is you yeah. know like and yeah i just think like right now when I look at what I have and the things I've been able to do and all of that, like, this is the greatest part of my life. I'm doing this with my family. Like I've got the son I've always wanted, you know, all of those things I've, I'm, I've got to play for Australia. I've been in the WNBN at a point in my career where I'm really proud of like the things I've done, but I'm still chasing things. Like I'm so lucky, you know, like, so I just think, yeah, every day that I feel like I'm walking on court and I'm like, God, I'm tired today, you know, or I'm whatever. I'm just like, nah, like, if this was the last day you got to play, like, how would you want to, like, train? You know, even if it's a training, whatever it is. So that, yeah, you're right. Like, it's a very, it's an interesting place to be. But I think if you can have the right perspective on it, um, it's really, it's a, it's a nice place to be. Because you're right, it makes, if you do lose, I hate losing still. I hate it. <laughs> but it just, it just changes, I think, the lesson I take from it or, or my perspective on it. How quickly I might bounce back from it, that kind of thing. Now, we're coming to the end of our time together mm. i could do this for <laughs> for days um but i always ask people a bit of advice that they would give to mm. someone else and it's usually on a theme that we talked about yeah. throughout the episode and i think we've touched on a lot of good things yeah. but i as i said to you earlier before we started recording i think i would say that your story is as much about resilience mm. as it is about anything and yeah. self-belief yeah. and stuff like that so i guess what advice would you give to someone who's been knocked back, yeah. they know that that's what they want, yeah. but they're going through all those natural human emotions of, yeah. actually, maybe it's not what I want. Yeah. Maybe I didn't actually want that because yeah. the, the Cause pain. Because it's going to be really hard. Yeah. Like, yeah, harder than I thought. Yeah, look, so, I think, yeah. I think the biggest thing that when I, whenever I look back that I think not saved me, but just really helped me and helped keep me like on track and not, not looking back at, you know the nose or not you know letting the stumbles kind of affect me was like I said it was it was for sure the the goal setting like those little things I think helped but I think it was falling in love with the work like with it like the journey the getting better I got really addicted to that I made it about me and getting like being in competition with myself and not with anybody else I just wanted to be the best Sammy Whitcomb like I wanted to get the most out of myself and if that ended up, like we said, meaning I didn't, I, the best version of Sammy Wickham isn't good enough for the WNBA, cool. Sucks, but like, I can live with that. But I just felt like the best version of myself was going to be. So I guess that, like you said, a mm. bit of that self-belief and backing. But I think, yeah, I just look back and I think even now, even when I, 
even when I'm, you know, looking at a goal that I'm not sure I'm going to be able to achieve or whatever it is, you know, going to New York, wanting to start, God, am I going to be awful? Like, am I going to, is this going to just prove to people that like, I'm not a good enough player, mm. you know, to do that. It was all about, I'm just going to work as hard as I can. I'm going to try and get better every single day. Um, I'm going to just focus on that and what will be, will be. And I just think if you can have that perspective, it is, it's hard. It's not easy. I think you have to work at that every day and remind yourself of those things. But I think that's where you just like, you really, I think unlock like something in yourself. Um, because you get to, like I said, you get to kind of that other side of the fear. Like you're not really, you're not worried about that. What you're doing isn't driven by the fear. It's driven by your love for what you're doing. It's driven by this idea of becoming the best version of yourself. And I think there's nothing, there's no, I don't know, there's no outcome in that when you're striving for that, that's, that's a failure or that's bad because it is, it's your best version, right? It's your, that is your, like, like your ultimate accomplishment, I think. So I think that would probably be, be my advice. It's yeah. I'm almost like that's something that I've got to sort of recently within the last few months yeah. of going to get your best thing. And sometimes like motivation is very interesting. And on the last episode, I chatted to a guy named Jake Harvey, a hockey player. And we're talking about sometimes you have to go, you know, scoop up a bit of the fear or something Mm. because sometimes you'll lose motivation. No, you do. And you need to harness that fear of going back to, you know, going back to bad habits or something and be like, no, we're not going back. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so, yeah, it's so special. And you do, you cross over into something. And I feel like there's a fear of going back past that line sure. but I think that once you get there it's very very hard to to yeah. go back once yeah. you've well because you really I think you feel it you feel when you have and you feel the difference and I think you also see like I feel like that's when I really started to see different results as mm. well in terms of how I was performing and in terms of how I was even just coping and handling with setbacks like it was just different it wasn't it wasn't this like, oh my gosh, you know, or this like, it wasn't such a powerful thing. I didn't take it so personally. It was like, yeah, all right, like, let's, let's get back to work and figure it out kind of thing. Like that, that, that's where I am today and it's not good enough for this or it's whatever, but like, where am I going to be just after today? After, like, where am I going to be tomorrow? Where am I going to be the next day? I know I'm going to be a little bit better. And that's to me, like all I'm chasing. And also a lot of growth comes while you can't see it so Mm. don't i feel like we should say to people don't be scared if you can't see the growth because when you when you're frying fish you're probably not like oh this is part this will get me to the wmba i I saved something the other day that was like so perfect i mean instagram is annoying and awful and such a waste of time so many levels but every now and then you get you know like every Every once in a while there's a pearl yeah you get like a nugget of something and it made all that suffering <laughs> and it's like this yeah this is why i'm swiping for hours yeah like, finally i found something worth gosh while. am i even gonna find it who knows but it was something about um like you know these taking small steps and how uh, it's the small things that you do repeatedly over and over again um and eventually like it's 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 small 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 but then yeah like you said it's like almost when you look back right and what mm. you've done but all of a sudden it's you do these things small things and it's a really big leap that you end up taking because of those things and yeah it's 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 the prep it's all of those things like it might feel really small you might not see a thing but then 
you'll get into a game or you'll get into whatever it is. You'll get into a situation where you're challenged or while you're whatever. And you have a response that's like, you're like, oh my gosh, like all of that stuff was prepared me for this moment. So yeah, I think, I definitely think it's the small wins. Cause when I say you get better every day, I don't mean by 10%, like it's a fraction of an improvement every day. It might be one rep that I did in practice that like I've been working on, but like live, I did a Euro step live without like Mm. knowing what the defense was going to do. It was a live read. Boom. That is my win for the day. Like I took a step, you know, or whatever it is. Like it's, can be as small as that, but I really, I search for those. Like I really search for Mm. those because that to me is, that's the progress that I'm looking for. The other day I did my first half marathon in early December and straight afterwards I said something to my mum that I'd been looking to get off my chest like a goal like a real ambitious running goal that if I did it would be crazy and I said to her I want to do x and she said how do you eat an elephant Mm. and I was like what she was like one bite at a time (laughs) And I'm just like, since that day, it's been a month and a bit. Mm. Um, But that's sort of one, that's a quote that I'm living by at the moment. Like you just, one part of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And before you know, you've eaten half an elephant and you're doing that Euro step. And I do think, I will say, I think that's the other bit of advice that I would give. Like no one, back when I graduated, like if you would have told anybody she's going to be in the WNBA, she'll play eight years or whatever, however many years in the WNBA, like nobody would ever believe that so I just think you have to dream big like dream massively you know because like it's that other you know we're talking quotes now but it's like shoot for the moon you land among the stars kind of thing but yeah. I just think that it's, it's so true if you if you yourself aren't willing to dream it and that's where I say like write it down I always wrote down and you know even it felt silly like writing down MVP it felt silly writing down championship or stats or whatever it was all-star five like it was a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. But that's what I'm chasing, you know? It's not it's not the it's not the accolade itself, but it's like what that represents, right? So it's yeah. like if you're not willing to actually say it and, and say you want that, you're never gonna never gonna get it. Yeah. Like you have to yourself be willing to say that that's what you want. And that part of that is facing the fear though of you might not get it, you yeah. know, or like I want this and I might fail getting it. And we spoke about earlier that if you want to run hundred kilometers and you run eighty. Yeah. Like if you want to be an MVP and you end up being, you know, one of the best few players on your team, yeah, yeah. it's okay. Yeah, and you've done better than someone who's like, I want to play five minutes a game. Yeah, but I think again, there's so much value in the pursuit of it. There's so Mm. much value in giving everything to something and pursuing it, like unabashedly, like not with not with any reservation and seeing where you go. Like, to me, that there's there's so much in that. Sammy, this has been very special. <laughs> I've really enjoyed our time. I think we might be best friends now. I don't yeah, know how you feel about that. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this has been really special. As I said to you earlier, I could talk all day. Your story's really inspiring and incredible, and we love what you're doing. 2024, maybe I'll fly over to Paris see you play um yeah yeah exactly (laughs) um but no keep it up we can't wait to see where you land during free agency whether it be back in new york or somewhere else um and yeah your story is very very inspiring so thanks for coming on the show yeah no problem hopefully yeah in a 
the end of 2024, we can reconvene for another one and see see where we both are at. Awesome. Maybe gold medal around your neck. Maybe right. I've done something special. That's it. Um, Maybe you've eaten that whole elephant. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, thanks very much for coming on. That was that was that was sick. Obviously, when I edit these things, I I have to re-listen to them. Um, but it's never a chore. I I really enjoy listening to the show. I really enjoy the people that I get on, and and often when I re-listen to the shows, I'm um I'm sort of vindicated in thinking, yeah, that was a cool person. That's something, someone um, with a story that was definitely worth sharing. So Sammy's definitely an example of that. Um, I hope that that the people out there that listen, that you realize that this show, it's not just about sport and pumping athletes tires. It's, it's trying to set an example and show to people that, you know, whatever aspect of your life it is, never give up, keep on going, keep striving because Sammy, as she said, she just wanted one opportunity and she finally got it. Um, and she's really made the most of it, gave her an inch and she took a mile. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a really special story of someone who's gone out and achieved so much so much so yeah it's really special now please make sure that you like subscribe tell your friends about the show leave a rating leave a review it truly it truly 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 helps very much um and yeah so we've got obviously an episode coming up next fortnight in a couple of wednesdays time so make sure that you keep clicking back and are looking forward to that it's a it's a cool one um it's all recorded and the editing process has started now. So yeah, it's a cool chat. So make sure you're coming back, having a look, tell your friends about the show. That'd really help. That'd be so awesome if you could get some more ears on this show. That'd, that'd mean the world to me. But in the meantime, check in on your mind, check in on your mates, and I'll see you next time.